1 Corinthians chapter 3, starting at verse 1. Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly, for since there is jealousy and quarrelling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not mere human beings? What, after all, is Apollos, and what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord has assigned to each to his, each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will be rewarded according to their own labour. For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay or straw, their work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. For God's temple is sacred and you together are that temple. Do not deceive yourselves. If any of you think you are wise by the standards of this age, you should become fools so that you may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight. As it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows that the thoughts of the wise are futile. So then, no more boasting about human leaders. All things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future. All are yours and you are of Christ and Christ is of God. G'day again, everyone. My name is Scott. If you missed it before, I'm the pastor of Trinity Church here. Really good to be with you this morning. Exciting morning. I want to start today by asking, what does it take to be a leader? Is it about uh, creativity or character or having people trust you? Do you need to be innovative or predictable? Do you need to, to, to set vision really clearly for people or or is it more about knowing your team really personally do you need to be loved and adored by by those you lead or or is it better to be respected maybe even feared a little bit there's a lot of questions at least here's one guy's answer to that final question is it better to be loved or respected i told dwight that there is honor in losing which as we all know is completely ridiculous but there is however honor in making a loser feel better 
which is what I just did for Dwight. Would I rather be feared or loved? Um, easy, both. I want people to be afraid of how much they love me. It's good, isn't it? Um, there's so many ideas about what good leadership involves. This week I googled how to be a good leader and in about half a second it came back with 6,590,000,000 hits. That is, leadership is, is one of those modern things that we crave to get right. We're all looking for answers on what good leadership. And in a little while we're going to commission Ada down here. She's about to step up in her leadership and become an associate pastor in our church. And I've got the next 20 minutes to prepare her and us for this. How do you fit 6,590,000,000 ideas from the internet into 20 minutes? It's too much, isn't it? So what do we do? Where do we go from here? How do we get Ada pointed in the right direction so she gets cracking and firing right from day dot? Because the answer is we don't go to the internet, do we? We we go to the Bible. We need to listen to what God has to say, and that's what we're going to do now. Uh, Ada's just read for us from 1 Corinthians. It's good to hear Ada read from that part of the Bible that we're going to hear from, given that's what we're talking to her about now. Uh, 1 Corinthians is a, is a letter. It's sent by Paul. He's one of Jesus' apostles. Uh, it's sent to a, the church in the ancient city of Corinth. There you can see it on the map there. And in chapter 3, which we just read, in chapter 3, it has heaps to say about what church leaders are like, about being a church leader. And in light of that, it's got heaps to say to us about what it means to be a church member too. So the plan for the day is just to work through the chapter bit by bit. And then along the way, I'm going to stop and I'm going to highlight what this means for Ada. And in fact, what it means for all of us as well. Okay, let's go then. First four verses. In the first four verses, you get the picture that not everything is going okay for this church. Just look at how the church is described. Uh, in verse 1, they're called unspiritual, worldly, and childish. In verse 2, it says they're, they're, they're not ready, they're not growing in their faith. In verse 3, the word worldly comes up again, and it comes up twice in this verse. It also says there that they're acting like mere humans, and that idea is again in verse 4, where it says they're talking like mere humans. It's highlighting their unspiritualness of this church that's a pretty harsh assessment what's going on here why is paul being so critical well the answer comes in verse three let's look at verse three a bit more closely verse three for since there's jealousy and quarreling among you are you not worldly are you not acting like mere humans for when one says i follow paul another says i follow apollos are you not mere human beings the problem is in this church, it's with the leaders. It's not that the leaders have done anything wrong, but the church members are uniting, not around Jesus, but around these different leaders in the church. And so as they unite around different leaders, they're divided amongst themselves over which leader is better. And so within these church, and there's, there's factions that are forming, and these factions bring jealousy and fighting. This is an unhealthy church. To put it plainly, a church that's divided is an unspiritual, worldly, childish thing. So Ada, this is where we talk to you for a moment. 
as you step up in your leadership in our church, be reminded what you're seeking here is not a following for yourself. Your desire must always remain to win people to Jesus, to live for him, to follow him. Of course, you know that, don't you? So make every effort to keep this as your great desire that more and more people follow Jesus, not you. For the rest of us, we know Ada, don't we? We love her. We're so glad she's at church with us. We're so glad we get to set her apart for this kind of work. It's great, but please remember what we're doing here. We're not putting Ada up here so that we would all follow her. We, we need to follow Jesus, not Ada. We need to be united around Jesus, not around Ada, as much as we love her. Is anyone here a basketball fan? Anyone follow the NBA? There's one guy, Kieran, you're the only one. You'll get this analogy. I don't follow basketball, but I've heard there's this trend in the US. I, I, uh, we can all understand this. There's a trend in the US with big name NBA players, right? What happens is that the teams, they really want to sign one of the big name players. Not just because they're good, not just because it will help the team you know, win games. But when you sign a big name player, they'll bring fans along with them. So, for example, there's a good chunk of fans who used to go for the Miami Heat. LeBron James was playing for the Miami Heat, so these fans went for the Miami Heat. But then LeBron James moved and he started playing for the LA Lakers. And so a whole bunch of fans, they stop going for Miami and they start going for the Lakers. That is, they're not really fan of, of, of either team, are they? They're fans of LeBron. So whatever team LeBron goes on, that's where the fans go. That's not what we do with Ada. That is, we cheer her on, yes. We love it when we see her doing well. We get behind her. And in a sense, we follow her as much as she points us to Jesus. But we don't follow Ada wherever she goes. We're not on team Ada, so to speak. We're on team Jesus. Now, I say that and it sounds quite corny, doesn't it? But um, you know what I'm saying here. We're on team Jesus. We get behind Ada because she's on team Jesus. And we follow her as much as she helps us stick with team Jesus. But what we're really on about is following Jesus. He's our team. He's the heartbeat of us. Once we start following leaders, we end up in childish disagreements that simply tear us apart. So that's the first chunk of of, of this chapter in the Bible. It tells us how we're not to treat church leaders. If that's how we're not supposed to see leaders, how are we supposed to see, view and understand leaders? Well, that's what verses 5 to 9 are really all about. Look at how the church leaders are described in these verses. It, It says, it's using an analogy, it says the church is like a garden... And it says the leaders are like those who then are the people who go around and plant seeds in the garden, those who water the seeds in the garden. And is they tend to the garden, they tend to the church to care for it. They want to see it grow. But here's the really important thing. They do not make it grow. Look at verse 6. Paul says, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. Church is, the be all and end all of church is not about having the best ministry team in the world, one you can really get behind and love. Church leaders aren't what makes a church. God makes a church. 
God gives the growth. He is the one we need to treasure. He is the one we need to delight in. But also in this chunk, church leaders are also called uh, servants. You see that in verse 5. They're called servants. But here's the key thing about that. Church leaders are not servants of us. They're not servants of the church, firstly. First and foremost, church leaders are servants of God. So see verse 9, for we are co-workers in, not the church's service, but we are co-workers in God's service. When we get church leaders right, we see them as God's servants. That they do God, church leaders do God's work of planting and watering, of caring for God's church, but it is only God who gives the growth. So Ada, at this point I want to say, remember who you work for. You don't work for all of us. You don't work for me. You don't work for Paul Harrington. Ultimately, you work for God and so you are responsible to him. There's going to be times where some of us will want you to do things for us. We think some things are important. We want you to do them because we think they're important. We want you to spend your time in certain ways. We want you to have the kind of priorities we do. But you need to be very clear, Ada. You do the work that God has set for you. You're God's servant. You do what he wants you to do. You need to make sure that his priorities for the world and for church shape what you do. And for the rest of us, we need to remember too that Ada does not work for us. She works for God. She's responsible to God, which means Ada isn't actually here to please us. She's not here to do her to do. She's not here to do whatever we want her to do. She's not here to decide. Sorry, we're not here to decide the projects that she spends her time on. She is God's servant. You know, this might mean sometimes we disagree with Ada. Maybe we've got this ministry idea we think Ada should take on board or maybe it's a person we think Ada should be spending more time with or maybe it's a musical direction we think Ada should take us in. And, and, and Ada might decide not to do what we want. We could be disappointed with her. I know none of us feel like that now, but we're just kind of a week or two into it, aren't we, really? Um, there's plenty of time for that to change. But if or when that happens, remember... Ada's not your servant. She is God's servant. And she's not responsible to you at the end of the day. She is responsible to him. So if this does happen, before you kind of just subtly start grumbling about how Ada might have lost her way, consider, could Ada be doing what she's doing actually because she thinks it is what God wants her to do? Look, there might be legitimate reasons for you to be upset. Church leaders are not perfect. And if anything, the last 10 or 15 years has shown us time and again, church leaders are not perfect. They can fail, just like all of us. But before you jump to the conclusion that Ada's lost her way, remind yourself, Ada is God's servant, not ours. She doesn't always need to do what you want her to do. And rather than kind of just starting to grumble and moan about what she's up to, maybe you could ask her why it is that she's made the decision that she's had. Church leaders are God's servants. They do what God wants them to do. But what does God want them to do? 
Well, that's what the next chunk in verses 10 to 15 is all about. And the analogy changes here. It's like we've left the garden behind and now we've come to a construction site. We've put the hard hats on. And in, in this chunk, we, we see there's two things that matter in construction, two things that matter to the building that's being built. Firstly, the foundation matters. Because, I mean, if you get the foundation wrong, well, the whole house is, is wrong and the whole house is ruined. There's cracks in the walls. The house starts to lean in and, in, in and out and you can't really live in it. Foundations matter because the whole of the building rests on the foundation, sits on top of the foundation. And the church is like a building in the sense that it needs to have the right foundation. It needs to have Jesus as its foundation. Look at verse 11. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. So you're starting out, how do you build a church? What do you build it on? Well, you don't build it on pragmatics and and just whatever works. You don't build a church on popularity and charisma, having a leader who's, who's really charismatic up the front. A church has to be, it must be built on Jesus. He's the center, he's the foundation, he's the thing on which everything else must rest, Jesus. Or else the church collapses. And once you get the foundation right then, the building materials matter as well. Church leaders need to build up their church with the right stuff. You don't want you know, your house made out of asbestos and wood glue or something like that, right? You need good materials. And so he talks about things like gold, silver and costly stone, things that will last. Not the flimsy things of wood, hay and straw. And we'll talk about what those mean in a moment. You see, the foundation and the building materials, these things matter because the quality of the building is going to be tested. Verse 13, talking about church leaders, their work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. See, it's saying there's a day when Jesus is going to return. And the day when Jesus returns, we'll see how leaders have built their churches, led their churches. Have they done it well? Some buildings, some churches will survive the test. That is, the members of the church will be found to be trusting in Jesus for forgiveness and for life eternal. And because they're trusting in Jesus, they'll go to the new creation to be with God and to be with the Lord Jesus. And the leaders of this church will have a reward. The reward will be great. Not that they kind of have a mansion in heaven or something like that. But it's just that the very fact that as they stand in the new creation, they stand alongside the people they've ministered to and led for the last 10, 20, 30, 40, whatever long. That's the reward. But some buildings, some churches won't survive. They were built in such a way that people gave up on Jesus. Built in such a way where the focus was on something other than Jesus and so people really haven't been putting their faith in Jesus at all. This means there won't be eternal life for those in those churches. The leader of the church will survive if they are trusting in Jesus, but they'll suffer loss. They'll get to the new creation But all the people they've ministered to and been leading over the years, they won't be there with them. See, the point is this. Church leaders need to build carefully because this stuff matters for eternity. So Ada, 
build carefully. Never move on from the foundation of Jesus. Base everything that you do, base all of your ministry on Jesus and the gospel message that he's given us. And build upon this foundation with the right materials. Okay, So don't build using fear or manipulation or guilt to get us to do what you want us to do. Build with the gospel. Build with that simple message that Jesus has died. And because he has died, we have forgiveness with God, a new life with him. Build with that message. Let your ministry be drenched, saturated with the gospel message of Jesus. And for the rest of us, friends, can you see why what Ada does matters? Eternity hinges on this for us and for others, for those we're trying to reach. Eternity hinges on this. So please, will you pray for Ada? Please, will you devote yourself to praying for Ada? Pray for her ministry amongst us. Pray that she would keep Jesus at the center of everything. Pray that she let the gospel message shape the way she does her ministry. Pray she'd build well because eternities are at stake. Please pray for Ada, friends. You're thinking this all sounds a bit serious. Well, the next little chunk, it, it kind of things only get more and more intense. Um, verses 16 and 17, the analogy changes again. We've gone from the garden to the construction site of, of any old building. Now we're in a particular building. Now we're at the temple. Uh, when Paul wrote this letter, the temple in Jerusalem looks something like that. The temple in Jerusalem was still standing. This is the place where in the Old Testament, God's people went to make their sacrifices and pray to God. They, they met God at the temple because in a special way, God himself lived in the temple. But here, in our passage in 1 Corinthians, it says, this place here, this physical building, is not the temple anymore. Look at verse 16. It says, you yourselves are God's temple. Or again in verse 17, if we missed it, you together are that temple. The church is now God's temple. Not meaning a building, and especially not this kind of building on a public primary school hall, but... The people, us together, friends, we are God's temple. And so we together are precious to God. He calls us sacred to him. And so there's a warning. If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. This is serious business. God's church is not to be messed with. That's what it's saying. God's church is not to be messed with. So Ada, here again, be doubly careful how you build, how you conduct your ministry. It's God's temple you're dealing with here. To destroy it is a serious offence against God. But actually, this, is, this, this isn't so much aimed at Ada. This is actually aimed at us. At, remember, Paul is writing to the church here, a church that's divided. They're treating their leaders wrongly. And, and as, as, a, as a result of that, they're in danger of destroying their church. 
Their problem was that they had too high a view of leaders. So some of them would choose their favorite leader to follow, but others thought, no, no, this other leader is better. And so again, there's factions, there's divisions in this church. And as they're dividing, they're in danger then of tearing God's temple apart, of destroying God's temple. They had too high a view of leaders. And I suspect that's probably not our problem. I suspect our problem has... You laugh because I'm, I'm one of your leaders, right, Rosie? <laughs> I suspect our, our problem is more likely we have too low a view of our leaders. Um, we're Australians, right? We do not like authority. We don't like someone telling us what we ought to do. We don't like the idea of someone being over us. That's, that's our culture. And that Australian culture, you need to be careful, it doesn't seep over into our church culture here. That we start thinking that same way about our church leaders, about someone like Ada. Now, I don't think any of us are going to go out and try and obviously undermine Ada and what she's doing. But it can happen subtly. Little grumbly comments about decisions that she's made. When she makes a, a, a decision to change direction in church that we don't like, we can just attribute bad motives to her. We can start to say things like, oh, look, if Ada really cared, she'd do this, wouldn't she? What Ada really should have done was, friends, don't let that happen to us. This kind of talk tears churches apart and destroys God's temple. To do that is a very serious thing indeed. These Corinthian church members, they wanted to be wise. They wanted other people to see them as being so clever. And they thought that if they got behind the right leader, they thought that would make them look really good to others. But in the final chunk, they're pointed to something that is better. Something better than seeming really wise to the world that's looking on. The passage goes on to say to them that they don't belong to whichever church leader they are putting themselves under. But actually quite the reverse is true. In verse 22 it says the leaders belong to them. In fact it says everything belongs to them. Why? That's because they belong to Jesus. Look at verse 23. You are of Christ. And that is better than anything else. Simply belonging to Jesus enriches us in every way. Simply belonging to Jesus enriches us in every way. So to be truly wise, you've got to be devoted to Jesus. Because true riches only come through him. So, Ada, I've said to you, today help us keep our eyes on jesus let me now end by saying please keep your eyes on jesus knowing that everything that you need comes through him that he enriches you in every way please please in your own life be devoted to jesus and as you lead us don't neglect your own spiritual life stay loyally to committed to your lord who is Jesus. And for the rest of us, it's got to be us as well, friends. The best thing for us as a church, the greatest antidote to these divisions that tear us apart, the thing we need most is actually for each of us personally 
to be devoted to Jesus in our lives. More and more and more. At the end of the day, that's actually what aid is working for. That we would be more and more devoted to Jesus. And we'd stick with him right through to the end. Let's make Ada's job easy. Let's each of us be personally committed to Jesus. Because when we're united around him, our church will be strong. We'll push on with Jesus. And when that day comes and the church is tested with fire by our God, we'll survive. We'll go through to glory with him. Friend, will you be personally committed to Jesus more and more this year? Let me pray for us and for Ada that we would be. Let me pray. A great God of heaven, you see, you know, you act in our lives and we just wanted to bring our request before you now. Please help us keep Jesus at the centre. We pray for Ada in her ministry over us. We pray that for her personally, you would help her live a life devoted to Christ. We pray too for each of us, and that would be us. Keep us from divisions and things that would divide us. Keep us united around Jesus and around that gospel message that through his death we can have life and forgiveness. And so we pray for Ada in her ministry amongst us. Please help her keep speaking the message of the gospel. Father, we pray that we would be enriched in every way because we are devoted to Christ Jesus. We pray this in his name. Amen.